The city of Richmond becoming a prime target for gun violence. Richmond. The city of Richmond was known as one of the most dangerous cities in the Bay Area, if not the country. This is the For Our Future Podcast. Let's keep Richmond moving forward. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome once again to the FOF Podcast. Thank you. If you're tuning in, if you're coming back, thank you for your constant support. If you're new to the channel, thank you for joining us. Please don't forget to subscribe, comment, share, and like the video and spread the word. Now, today's episode, we're going to be talking about depression and mental breakdowns during, before, and after the pandemic. This is a very personal case for me. Before we get into it. I want to mention that we have a very special guest today. This is a person that's dear to my heart, so I'm very glad that he's here with us today. Um, he's here also helping me and supporting me because he's somebody that I actually lean on when I deal with my episodes. And also, we have a returning guest, which we will also introduce after just a little bit. We're going to keep you guys in suspense for right now. So, <laughs> is that okay with you guys? All right, cool. All right. So before then, as always, I'm going to introduce my comrades behind Mike, that handsome devil over there. I call him in summer. How summer? Please tell these people how was your day? Man, my day was good. It's blessed. I'm blessed to be here. I'm excited to be here. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Cool, cool, cool. Definitely me too. And once again, as always, the lovely Lady D. Lady D today. Hi everybody. Thank you for joining us. Um, for everyone new, I know we've you know, expanded our reach to Facebook. If you're new, welcome. So, uh, yeah, we have a really special guest today, special guests. So, um, tune in, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention, we're on Facebook now. Mm-hmm. We have a new software called Streamlabs. Free plug right there, guys. Whoa. But it's a great, it's a great, very easy uh, software to, to, to multi-stream on different platforms. Um, before I introduce my guests... Uh, and Somo, as usual, has our community news. And Somo, could you please enlighten our people with the community news, please? Yeah, I was going to share a couple things really quick. We do have our monthly community cleanup that we have every first Saturday. So we have one this Saturday. It's going to be at on the East Greenway. Uh, if you're not familiar with that area, it's actually like right across the street from the grocery outlet on San Pablo Avenue. So it's across from... Planet Fitness, Grocery Outlet, across from there. We, it's, it's where we're going to do our monthly community cleanup. We're partnering with SOS Richmond. We're going to try and be out there from 10 to 12. We have free coffee and donuts. And if you come out and participate, you can earn one of these cool pins right here that you see. And then eventually earn a hat. So if you participate in one of our events, you earn a pin. Participate in two, you earn a hat. And so please come out. Support the community. Let's try and get some, you know, 
some of our public spaces cleaned up so that we could actually let our youth come out and enjoy those spaces like they should be able to, right? And uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention that's really important is if you know any information about Antoine Whitley, one of my former Nystrom Eagle students, uh, please let us know, let the police know. He's been missing for about four weeks now, and I know his family really wants to see him home. So please, if you see anything, hear anything, let somebody know. And that's about it, man. That's all I want to share, yes. All right, cool. So, the suspense is over. We're going to introduce our guest. I'm going to start with a former Kennedy Eagle, Richmond native. He's pretty much considered family in my family. His name, no further ado, Nico Jackson. Nico, how you doing? Good evening, everybody. I'm doing good. How are everybody doing tonight? Doing good. Thank you for asking. I think that's the first guest that's ever asked us how we're doing back. Man, like you said, y'all family, man. You know? Yeah. Um, Nico and I go way, way back. Like I said briefly um, in the intro, he's somebody that whenever I'm going through my um, episodes of depression, I always tend to call. I know that he's going to listen. And, um, man, just just yesterday, actually, I texted him and I said, hey, man, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of feel like backing out because this is a very tough uh, topic for me. And, we, you know, you said we don't back down. Yeah, we knew it. He said we don't back down. So that's the kind of person that Nico is in a nutshell. And to introduce our next guest, returning guest, our only returning guest so far. <laughs> he is, well, let me go ahead and just say his name. He's going to introduce himself and give you his background. His name, Michael Tache. Michael Tache, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing well, Mike. <laughs> Great. Great. Uh, my name is Mike Taché. I have a doctorate in health psychology. I've spent many years working with young people. Um, depression's a big problem with the youth that I've worked with, and I'm really glad to be here to support this podcast tonight. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Mike, um... Mike and I have also a history with my depression. Mike was actually the first person that I, I that I um, well, I'll, I'll get into it more deeply in my story today, tonight. Um, that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's exactly what Nico's going to do. Um, we're going to try to keep it as raw as possible, um, with the hopes that if a John Doe or a Jane Doe were to come across this channel, come across this topic, um, I want them to get it from the horse's mouth, as they say, somebody who has gone through it, somebody who still goes through it, somebody who lives it, who has lived it. Um, and I want it to be as, I want to connect as much as possible to that person that needs it. Because um, a lot of people need it. I still need it. I still search for channels and I still reach for the Theo Bonds, like Dino's, um, a comedian that's that's a very popular comedian that speaks openly about depression. Russell Brand is another person that I talked to, that I talked to, I wish I did, <laughs> that I hear um, openly talk about his depression. And um, I connect with them, and this is exactly what I'm trying to do for somebody who, who doesn't necessarily want to reach out for those celebrities. Um, I'm just normal John Guzman. Um, Telling my truth in my early 30s, living alone, 
Single man. <laughs> Have a BA in English. Never use it professionally, but that's okay. I'm comfortable with my presence right now. My present right now. Okay, and that's all that matters, I think. I haven't been comfortable with my present many times, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. You know, one thing that I didn't want this to be is anything statistic heavy, anything analytics heavy, because when I look for help, I don't want to be included. I don't want to be a percentage. I don't want to be a statistic. I want somebody to talk to me like a person. I want them to hopefully say something that I'm going through so that I don't necessarily sound or look like a lunatic in my own crazy personal view. So that's what I'm going to try to do. I spent about a week pacing back and forth, Mike, trying to fit this in an hour. I'll let you run. I'll let you know right now. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So I chose to to backtrack to where um, I first started seeking professional help. That was three years back. But, but going back to how I started trying to structure this, I started writing a bunch of different words. Nico, let me know if you can connect with any of these words. Oh, you already know. I got you. <laughs> Darkness. Crippled, worthless, existentialism, unworthy, irrelevant, beaten down, angry, worthless, hungry, wanting to get out of something, not knowing what that something is, disturbed, falling, worrisome, sinking, emotional, short of breath, pacing, sleep, and it goes on and on. These are all synonyms that I started to write that I thought word as close to the word depression as I possibly could imagine and I wrote a lot more and I ripped out the other two pages to try to fit this in one hour and give Nico his time to talk but for if it's okay with you Nico can I talk for a good 10-15 minutes man you my brother go ahead you already know it's all love (laughs) alright now I want to start this three years back like three years back I was laying on the couch for about two months. Two months. Um, Let me go to my notes here. I only wrote notes because there's important things that I want to hit that I didn't want to forget to mention. Um, And is my story going to get dark? Maybe to some. But that's my truth. I need to tell the truth to whoever's viewing this, to whoever's searching it, because they deserve to know the truth. Our audience deserves to know the truth. And most importantly, I deserve to say it truthfully because if I lied to myself, then I'm going to go back and kick myself in the head. Rumination starts to kick in. Why did I do this? Why did I do that? And I'm stuck in that same circle again. If you're going through depression, you know exactly what I mean. Mike will probably be able to talk about that more a little later. So, stuck in a bed two months trying to figure out what's going on I wish I can blame it on a traumatic childhood I can't I wish I can blame it on a traumatic experience I can't my demons hides and hide in the shadows I don't know what I'm fighting for the most part I wish I could as crazy as it sounds I wish I could pinpoint it to a traumatic childhood to a horrible childhood to something that maybe I saw that just 
mess me up to where I can't cope sometimes, but I can't. I, all those synonyms that I said that were sort of a definition to my depression kind of all relate to an emotion or a feeling of not knowingness. And that's probably the worst thing that I combat as my character is always, I've always been somebody who's been very, try to inform myself on everything and try to read up on everything, but here's something that I can't deal with anymore. So how or where or why now don't have an answer. So two months, three years ago, I had enough. Um, I've been in darker situations before. I've been a suicide um, survivor. I don't necessarily like the term. I get why people use the word survivor. I don't really agree with that. I don't like it. It's kind of like a participation trophy. Yeah. I don't like it, but it's the truth. So, been down that road. But three years ago, two months laying on the couch, it was an achievement going from the laying position to the sitting up position. That was my my day, Mike. That was an achievement for me. Going from laying down to sitting up. I would eat every four or five days. Wasn't hungry. When I would eat, it would hurt. Like it would literally hurt my stomach when I would eat. My body at that point, I think, your, your body after not eating for a while, right, Mike, doesn't it start to eat itself? I think it does, right? It starts to feed on itself. I think I got to that point after two months. I um <laughs> This is hard for me. This this goes against everything that I that I've been taught as a kid. This goes against everything that we as male figures sometimes or males Especially, I would say, during our generation of growing up, I, you know, even though it's a biased opinion, I really do think that our generation, Eco and Summo D, are the last generation of, um, of being tough and holding your emotions in and don't tell nobody your business and stuff like that. I think we're probably the last generation. This generation, I'm very happy that it's a lot more open, but I still struggle with it. So bear with me if sometimes I go a little off the trail. So, I had it. I knew I needed help. It's the first time I ever wanted help. I didn't want help before. So, it got to a point where my family, you know, I love my family a lot. And now thinking about it back, now thinking back on it, um, one of the reasons why I got so far deep into my depression to where I got is because of my character. They tried to give me space. But once it got to a point where they saw that I just couldn't anymore, they had to bring bring in some, some help, some outside help. So three years ago, it's been that long, Michael Tache and Howard step in. I didn't know that they were coming that day. 
had no clue. Um, the only thing I knew was that I needed help. Any other time, if it was a week before then, now if it was, I would say, two months before then, three months before then, if Mike and Howard would have walked in, I, I would have walked out. But I knew I, I knew at that point that I needed help. So the help begun. I had to try to talk to this guy over here. One of the first things that Mike told me after a conversation that he went on, started to talk about different things, was kind of going in one ear out the other. But one thing that caught my eye that I didn't know was my posture. Mike commented on my posture. He said, lift your head up, because I couldn't. Um, I had gotten to a point where I couldn't even look at anybody's face anymore. Um, and I didn't even know it. Uh, so, that was day one. I was D-Day, and um, breathe, John. Breathe. Yeah, trying, trying. And uh, you know, I don't think I said much that conversation, which at that time was pretty normal. Came to talking about anything that uh, <clears throat> I had a problem with. So Mike and Howard invited me to a church, and it's never really a religious person, nor was I seeking religion as a remedy. <clears throat> I just wanted something different for myself. I. Uh, didn't know where to start. Mike sort of pointed me the right way. And on in the in the, in the man, Jesus, I'm butchering this, huh, guys? Nah, you, <laughs> you got it. You got it. You doing good, man. You doing good. Man, it's been a long. It's been a long, long road. Far from over. Never, never thought that I'd be a person to ever take any kind of medication. I was against it. My sister has MS and she's on medication and I've seen what it does to her. And I've Can always you, been. Can um, describe that? I don't know what MS is. MS is uh, multiple sclerosis. Uh, Mike can probably tell you more about that. Mike, what's the, um, multiple sclerosis? I know it's a nerv nervous disease that attacks the spine and it, it basically attacks the whole body and all the body systems and you take medications to stop some of the tremors and the shaking and, and the, the slurred speech that goes along with MS. So she's, she had that, 
she has that. It doesn't go away. And I remember her when she was living over here, because now she's living in Las Vegas, when she would take the medication and be like dealing with somebody that's drunk. Um, and after, man, honestly, like after like six months, they upped the dosage because it's progressing and now she's even more drunk all the time. So that's sort of what I've uh, associated medications to. I never wanted to be dependent on medications. I knew I, I knew I needed it though. So that's when it all began and I don't want to eat up too much time. But I, what I do want to point across is that, you know, there's a lot, of, there's Meghan Markle coming out now. There's always been people like Kevin Love. Um, but I wanted to show somebody that you may see off of cutting, off of the 2023rd that deals with it as well. It's dealt with it pretty heavy. Um, in this pandemic, depression has the diagnose, the diagnosed depression is tripled. Antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication is up by a thousand percent in the UK alone. Workers without a college degree experience worse unemployment rates than people with just a high school degree. So we're talking about 21.2 for workers, 21.2% of people with a high school degree have been laid off. Between 65 to 85% of people who take antidepressants are back depressed within a year. I don't know what the, the stats is for the pandemic, but I'm pretty sure it's higher than that. Suicides have tripled since the beginning of the pandemic, and most of that's triggered by depression. So, you know, my story is not unsimilar than to, to a lot of different stories that you're going to hear. But this is the face that you can see, like I said, that's not on TV, on CNN. Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't going to be able to, to, to portray my story, my situation in, in an hour. So we're about 25 minutes in right now. Mm -hmm. And this is nothing. Me and Nico have had conversations, hours, and that's even that's the tip of the iceberg. But if you ever do see me out on the street and you want to talk, man, about anything about this, I can get down. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you, I can. It's not recommendable to try to get as close to the bit, get as close into the belly of the beast. Because that's that's the, that's the furthest place you ever want to be around. But if you ever need to 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 relive for whatever reason your pains and your depression, your pains and the mental breakdown, your pains and your anxiety, you got one person here that you can listen to, and I'm glad. I'm sure that in some will 
more than happy to listen. I'm sure that Mike is more than happy to listen. This is not so much about coping with depression. It's more about resolving it. Um, and with that being said, I hope that with me saying what I'm saying doesn't change people's opinion about me. This is not who I am. It's what I deal with. I'm still a goofball. I still crack jokes. I'm still that person. This is just something that I deal with. Now, Nico Jackson. How you doing, my brother? How you doing? Doing all right. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Been better. Been better, man. Hey, this is one, you know. One day at a time, brother. One you know. Day at a time. Yeah, you know, man. This is. Like I had nothing Like I think like Even Diana might have been like a little Like bothered because I had no Kind of structure to this episode Like nothing at all And It was Not necessarily intentional Just kind of happened that way I Like I said I didn't want to make it about statistics That's why I only had a few because if I'm when I'm searching for for any kind of connection or any kind of real information, it's never by a doctor. It's never by somebody that's sorry, Mike, a psychologist or anything <laughs> like that. I talked to my therapist about that. I didn't want I didn't want this to be a summary about things that I've researched about somebody other's statistics, somebody's other data. I wanted this to be my story, a piece of it. I wanted to hopefully connect with somebody, connect to, like I said, John Doe or Jane Doe that's coming, that's searching this because the people that are searching for this aren't looking for somebody's research and data and analytics. They're not searching for that. I can't say everybody because to use their own, but for the most part, the people that I've talked to, the circles and the groups that I've talked to, that's kind of the last thing we're looking for. We want somebody to tell their experiences and to vibe with that person because for that brief little minute, you're normal. You know what I mean? Like you're you're on an even plane with those people. And it makes you feel comfortable. Makes you feel good. Makes you feel sane, man. Like you guys, I mean, the life by itself is is insane and everybody deals with different levels of depression and mental health man and everybody I, I, I get that just, just some people are a little better at it than others you know it takes takes me a little bit harder to take a bad experience and turn that into a, a learning lesson for some reason and I I'm working on it that's all I can say Nico <laughs> Sorry to cut you off on. I brought you in. AJ, hey, hey, man, I just want to say, man, before we continue, I just want to say thank you, man, for for sharing some some of that. I know it gets really deep and challenging to be so open and share these kinds of conversations, but I think it's really important. So I just want to commend you for being brave enough to share it here on the show. And I know that people are relating to the comments to the things that you are sharing. So no doubt people can relate and it's not something that should be brushed under the rug. So I just wanted to say that. And before we go, cause I know whew, it can get uncomfortable, you know, yeah. it can get uncomfortable, but we gotta be, we gotta be comfortable with getting uncomfortable sometimes. 
And so before we kind of jump into the next phase of this, let's mm -hmm. just take a deep breath. I need it. And like, you know. Find that out. Just, you know, break that ice and just jump into it. You know, water, it's all right. We're going to be okay. We're okay here, you know. And it's okay. We want people viewing to know that it's okay to have these conversations. And it's important that we have these type of conversations. And so I just wanted to say that before we jump into the next part so everyone can be at ease and be comfortable with, with this conversation. Thank you. I needed that. I actually really did need that. That deep breath. I appreciate that. Right now. Nico, go ahead, bro. Speak, speak some of that truth. Hit him, hit him with some of your struggles. Uh, you know, normally I'm a private person, but when my man asked me, you know, I want to do a episode on the podcast about depression, you know, would you mind saying a few things? I was like, uh, you, well, for you, of course. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, 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 my man, we go back, we got years invested, so yeah. it wasn't yeah. even a second thought. And then plus, I also want to do it because I'm pretty sure a lot of people wonder, like, what do he go through? Because we always see him smile. Do he get mad or do he ever he feel down or what is it? So I guess today I give you a little bit, not too much, but, you know, just mm -hmm. a little bit. Hey, Nico, you know, that's one thing that I do remember you from high school because we were high school classmates always smiling. Yeah. Always. So yep. saying that, that's no doubt. Like 100% always smiling. So for sure. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, Elmo, that's my guy too, man. Got some fellow Eagles in here. Uh-huh. We, we all in our 30s. We looking good. We healthy. Early you know, 30s. That's, I'm a little bit on the other side. Of that, but, you know, like, <laughs> but, you know, I still look good, though. You know, I yeah. carry myself pretty well. Yeah, know? no doubt. No Age doubt, man. Well. But that's also thanks to getting back to loving myself because for a lot of years I did not love myself at all. I loved everybody else and I'll let you know it. But when it came to me, you would never, you either knew it because I let you that close or you, well, like a lot of others, like I really wonder what do we go because he never, it's never about him. It's always about everybody else. Like, and I always been, and I always been a protector and I always felt like when you look out for others, you put them first and then you come last. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the wrong way to think because when you do that for years and years and years, you tend to fall out of touch with yourself. You lose love for yourself. And then you let a lot of demons come in as well. Like for me, like a lot of people didn't know, but I suffered for alcoholism for like 17 years. So. And I say my age, I'm not ashamed. I'm 36 now, so that's a long time starting like that when you're 17, mm -hmm. and then it's ending when you're 34. I made the Hall of Fame, so <laughs> I'm, just, yeah, <laughs> I'm just playing. But uh, I can laugh about it now because I'm comfortable to letting people know that if you're going through something, it's really okay to feel those feelings. And, and also, if somebody is willing to listen to you and willing to help accept it too. You can't fight everything on your own. You know, you can be as strong as you like, and I consider myself a very strong person, but it's also something you cannot just, you can't handle it by yourself. And my thing is, I can tell you I'm sorry and I mean it. I can tell you I love you and I mean it. But I, one thing I always had trouble with asking with is help. My pride always got in the way when it came to that. But as I learned that it's, it's okay to ask for help. If you truly need it and if somebody is willing to give it to you, accept it. 
mm-hmm. especially if it's coming from their heart. They took their time out to uh, to bless you with their presence. Yeah, go ahead and accept it. They mean well. Everybody's not out to get you. So it's little things that I learned over the years that you know that is helping me at ease. But with me, uh, I'm gonna talk about my drinking. Well, yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, so well, really quickly, that was a really, you know, selfless comment. You know, you're talking about always putting people before others. But why did you feel the need, like, to not, you know, go back and take care of yourself? Like, why didn't you feel worthy of that, you know? Well, if you were so, you know, because it seems like you're always thinking about other people but not you, you know? I'm still like that to this day, but now I learned that I have to love myself first. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not well, I can't, I'm no good to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm working with that. But uh, my, my mom, she was a single mom. I had... Well, I have two younger brothers, and I love them dearly. But they they was like my sons. Like I really genuinely took care of them. So it was like I was the man at the house at an early age. So I didn't have a normal childhood like everyone else. I was really the protector. And if my mom needed me to do something, I was responsible. She knew I got your back no matter what. So I fell into that trying to be a dad role while I'm still a kid. And for the most part. It was cool because I, I always knew I was mature and I was more responsible there than others for my age. And I always wore that and took that with pride. But I also really didn't know how to be a kid either. And that came back to bite me. So, And also, too, uh, my past and also deaths. Deaths really took a toll on me. I've been going through deaths since whew, like five years old. So... It's not, it's, the amount of funerals I've been through, I mean, been to, it's, it's not a number. I mean, it's not a number that you can, I can't even put a number on it. Like, and the feeling is unimaginable too. Like, and the cold part is once you go through that for so long, you kind of get used to it. Like, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. and that is sad. You should never get used to going to somebody's funeral. Mm-hmm. Never. Like, and, and the way I am too, if I, I can meet you, Day one, if your vibe is cool and I feel you, you're my friend. I don't know you from a can of paint, but that's just how I am. I'm so accepting and I, and I try to give so much love, especially in this world. Like, don't know, I feel like people don't genuinely care or love people no more. And I've always been that way. My mom always told me, like, when you get to know people, you don't worry about the color of their skin. You worry about their character and how they carry themselves and do they mean what they say. So I was groomed early and I was built different and I not and I always been that way but like I said that also backfired too because when I lost when I was 17 I lost my my dear friend Terrence we called him softy I was my right hand man he helped me through a lot of things if I didn't have money he had me like he, he rarely told me no and so when he got when he first got murdered when I was 17 you know I drank from time to time, you know, because it was fun. But when he died, that's when the, the drinking issue really became a problem. It didn't start off that way. It still was fun. But I think as more people start passing away as well, and it just all started caving in on me, I think I looked at that more as an outlet to get away at least for a few hours or for the day. What was it about the drinking, though, that made you keep turning to it? Was it just that you felt, like, numb to it, or...? 
It's the way, well, it started off the way it makes you feel. When you drink and you around positive people that's y'all in that same zone, it's super fun. Like, like, okay. But then when you let it, when you when you go to it, when you start having problems and you look at it as a coping mechanism, that's when it becomes a problem. And for me, is I would, me and my wife, we used to have so much fun. Yeah, Candace used to. I mean, Candace used to be a party animal back in the day. Yeah, shout out to my wife. She definitely helped me through this, and she's always supportive. I appreciate that. Uh, How long have you got? Have y'all been rocking? It'd be sixteen years, June eighteenth. Jesus. But you got to think about. It, we met in two thousand and one, so okay, that, we uh, we put that ring on that finger. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, twenty years in this. So yeah, we got married on our tenth anniversary. So um, yeah, I know. Yes, but yeah, like. And like I said, all all started from the K, my fellow Eagles, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when all them deaths start hitting, like, you, I always feel like everybody, you know, in the way how I am, I give out certain energy because I kind of expect it back, but then I got to realize everybody don't have the same heart as I do. And it took me years to realize that because I come from a pure, genuine place. When I tell you I love it, I love you, I mean it. Like with all my heart, when I call you my friend, I mean it. Mm-hmm. But I had to find out that you know sometimes people they do, but maybe they feel like if they let you too close, you might can use that to hurt them in some type of way, or you know it's like everybody is different, and that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, yeah, I had I yeah. The good thing about the drinking party is well, I guess you can look at it as a positive. I never let it affect jobs, money. I never went into debt. I never been abusive. I don't call my wife by her name. We don't argue. We have genuine talks when we get to a certain level. We feel like we need to address some things because I feel a certain heat coming from you. And mm-hmm. so I always been mature. You know I me. Mean? I'm a laid back person. Mm-hmm. Like like if I get mad, is something you really did? You did? You really did something to me for me to get mad? And also, too, that was my downfall, too, because when I did get mad, it was like I held so much stuff in. I, hold, I used to hold grudges and stuff, so when I got mad, everything came out at once. Mm-hmm. So that didn't match whoever whoever I got mad at. It didn't match. They'll be like, how you get that mad so fast? It's, it's mm-hmm. like, it's tough. But I you know I work on that every day. I make sure not to do that to people because people don't, don't nobody deserve that. Mm-hmm. Like, like. You can't just go around unloading your problems on everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know what? Now that you said that, there's been a few times where, like, I'm in my state and I don't know who to reach to sometimes. And then, like, it'd be somebody that's just like that. Or maybe I may see, like, on Instagram and stuff, and I just lay some, like, some stuff that I think is very innocent-ish, you know what I mean? And then they're like, "What are you even talking about?" I was like, "Ah, oh, man, I'm too deep in my head to to like they, like I just I legit unloaded not a bomb, but like, but like, oh man, like I forget it, and I always try to twist it, you know what I mean, um, to something else. So it's kind of the same thing to where like they don't expect it, they don't know it, they don't know where it came from. Like, where did that come from? It's like, ah, oh, didn't mean to do it. My bad. So. But I can I can I can relate to that. Oh, yeah, in a yeah, way. I know. Yeah. yeah, we 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 have deep conversations for hours. Every time yeah. you call me, I answer the phone. If I don't, I make sure to call you back. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good about when somebody calling me. I'm good about answering. Like, cause I'm the type of person. 
even if it's in my mind it's important so it's like they can be going through something they might need my help so let me pick up this phone right quick yeah. so i also preach the cause like i didn't want that i just wanted to call see how you was doing mm-hmm. like that stuff because people don't do that a lot so mm-hmm. when i do i take that there but like, oh, you actually thought about me that's mm-hmm. considerate because i do that to everybody like i text you out the blue be like how you doing i ain't want nothing i just wanted to say i'm proud of you keep it up mm-hmm. like like no. i am really big on uplifting people facts so you know but now I had to learn how to believe in myself like that as well. And that was very hard. Because for a long time, just like John said, I thought I was worthless. I'm like, nobody want me. Like, and then, but it is crazy because when people see me in the street, like, they genuinely show me love. Like, it's like I feel it, but at the same time, within myself, I didn't feel it. No. Mm-hmm. So how I work is I might not love myself, but I'm gonna put all this love on you. I'm gonna make sure you love yourself. Mm-hmm. So, and and, and I, like I said, it's, I just I genuinely want people to win. Like I want everybody in life to win, even if I don't know you. That's why I don't have enemies. Well, at least I hope I don't, because I genuinely love everybody. Mm-hmm. Like it's just with me. With me, you see, you, what you see is what you get. Like I don't. I don't have no ill ill will or no ill intentions towards nobody. Like I'm. A, you ask me something. I'm gonna tell you the truth, but I'm I know how to word it to a way it won't hurt your feelings. <laughs> Even but I'm different though. You feel like you wanna tell me something, I am it's all you can give me the smoke. I'll take it. <laughs> like we you can you can keep it real with me. I actually like that. Like so Yeah. Mike Mike, you um started dealing with people with depression. Um what are some of the instances that that you've been involved with? And um, maybe some of the techniques or even just words of advice that you can give people who may be going through both alcohol, alcoholism and depression because you are also, you've also been sober for about four decades, um, which is amazing. And then you also do deal with people with depression. So what are a few golden jewels that you can give our audience personnel? Well, first of all, let me say wow to both of you. I have a lot of respect for the sharing you did tonight. Thank you. And I I jotted down a couple of notes. Um, I'll do one religious thing and then I'll go to psychology. Uh, Greatest commandments are love the Lord your God, love your neighbors yourself. And it's real easy to love God or your neighbor. The hardest person to get to love is yourself. So when other people are coming to you and saying, hey man, I know you're depressed, I love you, man. They're thinking, I I don't love me, how can you love me? You know, I'm at the bottom of this well and it's 300 feet up and I can't climb up out of this well. But if you're depressed, or if you know someone who's depressed, you have to help break the isolation. You have to help them talk. Because once you give them permission to talk, they'll talk your ears off at all hours of the day and night. Um, One of the hardest things it is for people to do is to go up and say, hey man, are you depressed? What's wrong? And the next hardest thing to do is say, yeah, I'm depressed. Uh, 
because we live in a society where everybody's strong and tough. I grew up as a kid agriculturally where men don't cry. You know, I can fight you, I can hate you, but I don't love you and I don't cry. I feel no pain. So after a while, if you're depressed, you just become numb. So I had a friend once who got very upset because one of his friends committed suicide. And he was angry because he could have talked to me. I would have talked to him. But the problem is, is when you're in the depths of your depression, you can't just go out and talk to people. So I'll use John as an example. I walked up to John and said, what's your problem? Let's talk. And for a number of times, I don't have any problems. You know, I don't need to talk. But I was persistent in saying, hey, man, you know, I care about you. What's wrong? What's happening with you? You're not your whole self. So what I want to do is talk to the people who think maybe they know someone who's depressed and encourage them to stop that person from being isolated, to get that person to talk. Uh, everybody who's depressed thinks they're the only one in the world who's depressed. Nobody else is. And to use an AA phrase, denial is not always a river in Egypt. And so I may be depressed and think I'm the only person in this room who's depressed and nobody else will understand me, making me a pariah or a leper or something else. I'm going to crawl into my bottle of booze because a lot of people who are depressed self-medicate with alcohol and drugs. And it's, it's kind of crazy thinking because I'm depressed, so I'm going to drink alcohol, which is a depressant, which is going to numb me out for a few hours. But then when I wake up, I'm going to be even more depressed than I was when I started. So, um, and being able to tell people truths. I can care about you if you're depressed. Um, I've got an ear. Chew on it. That's 95% of what psych psychology is for a therapist, is shutting up and listening to the person and then normalizing their situation. Now, if you're afraid to go to a doctor, there are a number of things you can do to help yourself. Exercise, daily exercise will help lift some depressions. Regular eating, John mentioned he go for four days without eating. <coughs> Normal, regular eating patterns. Um, getting out of bed and taking a shower. Now, that's a momentous thing for some people with major depression to do, just to get out of bed, go into the bathroom, step in the shower, and take a hot shower. But once again, it gets the blood circulating, it gets your body moving, so that in the case of situational depression, it can lift you up to a higher state. Now, if you do all these things and you're still suffering, you need to seek medical help because depression can be a chemical imbalance in your brain. I'm diabetic. I shoot insulin twice a day. I don't stop shooting insulin because I don't need it. Uh, I didn't wish diabetes on myself, and this is what I tell the people who are depressed. You didn't wish to be depressed. You didn't get up one morning and say, damn, I want to be depressed. 
And so when the doctor prescribes an antidepressant medication, take it because there's a chemical imbalance. When I was younger in church, they used to say that people who were depressed or people who were alcoholics had a character defect. You know, if they just believed in God enough, they could lift themselves up out of any problem. Hey man, alcoholism is an addiction. Depression is something that you don't wish on yourself or anybody else. So if you know someone, talk to them. And I'll shut up. (laughs) Well, Mike, I mean, you know, I know that Mike uh, serves as chaplain with the Richmond Police Department. So he knows firsthand of a lot of the really darker sides of what happens in the city. Um, I don't know if we want to dig into that too much, but I know that he has experience in that area. And right now, depression and, and suicide is up, right? With the statistics that that Jay shared earlier. And I know even in Richmond, it comes up on the news that unfortunately these things have been happening. Um, is there anything else that you would suggest, Mike, that we do if we have a friend who we feel may be in you know, danger of that type of situation? Talk to them. Tell them you're not worthless. Uh, If it works, you're a child of God. You're precious. You're loved. And if they turn their back on you, you keep delivering the same message until eventually they talk to you. Because they probably will if they trust you. Could I I chime in with that? Sure. So... I 100% agree with what Mike said. Just make sure that they know that you're there. In my situation, for the most part, for the latter part of the time, because I can I can date back. This is only one one story situation that I chose to to share today. But I can date depression back to about I'm 14 years old. And so when it, you know when it got to the point where Mike was like, hey, I'm here, man. Get up, look at yourself in the mirror, make sure that you tell yourself that you're valued. And I'd be like, yeah, whatever. In my mind, I was trying to hash things out, trying to figure out what it is that I was feeling and and then trying to translate whatever crazy stuff that's going in my, and then what's going on in my brain, sorry, to come out of my mouth. I didn't know where to start. I needed time. I needed to figure out what all this, where to start. So maybe the person that you're trying to talk to just doesn't know where to start and is trying to figure it out. But just as long as you're, as long as they know you're there, once they do, they want to talk. I wanted to talk. I got to a point where I wanted to, I just didn't know how. And then when it finally happened, Mike was there, booyah. I'm dumb. Here I am. <laughs> if it wasn't, no, seriously, and I can say this in all honesty, if I hadn't decided that at that time that this was it, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be here. I yeah. wouldn't be here. Yeah. Like I was at that point that I wouldn't be here. I, you know, and and the fact that somebody was there 
There's not that no. There's not that I've never had any support. My family wanted to talk, and it's just a lot of times they do, and then the next thing you know, they're kind of gone after a while, and they get tired. You know, they do get tired. But I mean, if you're genuinely interested in that person's well-being, you just keep at it. I promise you, they want to talk. They just probably don't know how to. And you know, Jay, I've known you for over a decade now, you know, and I would have, before you coming out and, and sharing more of your story, would have never known about a lot of this stuff, you know, and even now I'm still learning more about it, you know. So I think that, you know, I'm definitely glad that you're brave enough to share this story with us now, but um, I'm sure that there are people like myself who had no clue who would have been happy to be able to be a shoulder for you to lean on. So. Yeah, I know it's hard. It's hard. It's, On both, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I beforehand, usually we prep for this show. We, we have some kind of structure. <clears throat> and then when I, um, like I said, I was having a real, real I, have, I was having real trouble trying to figure out what I wanted to say and how to betray my message. And someone asked me, um, is there anything that you think that maybe we should prepare for? And I and I said, hey, you know, why don't you try to maybe um, talk about maybe a dark part of your life, try to connect with that emotion and try to speak it if you're comfortable with it. And um, he said, yeah, you know, if I do figure out something out, then, then fine. And then it was kind of hard for the group to kind of figure out what to talk about because really the, the, the subject, we really didn't have a structure to it. And then I said, uh, why don't you guys talk about how maybe you've been affected by somebody with depression, right? Because even if you don't go through it, maybe you might be, you know, you might have gone through a situation where somebody's been depressed. And as recently I had sort of a, a episode um, around the holidays and that was one of the reasons why I couldn't, I wasn't mentally fit to, to even come on board to host the podcast. So, you know, my question to, to Diana and to Selma was like, how did that maybe make you feel? Because a lot of times we're concentrated on the person that's going through it, but there's also different people affected. So maybe whoever tunes in might be the person that's affected. So what, what were kind of the things that maybe you guys were thinking um, while, you know, maybe when I was in my, cave I think none of it none of it was bad you know a lot of the times me and Samo and Lady would come together like okay how do we reach out how do we do this how do we do that so it, it never came from a, a place of hate it was more of a, a place of concern I think that's how um, for that for that specific episode that's how we tried to approach it and even in in other episodes we we didn't know if you were tuning in or not you know you have stuff going on but at least we tried to make sure that you felt like hey we try to shout you out and we try to make sure that if you if you ever want to come back it's perfectly fine to come back we all miss you we all care you know it, it was more like in that realm I think we're both you know mature enough to not take depression out on you and like make it personal because it, it really wasn't you know at least that's from my end what about mm -hmm. you Chema? well you know honestly at first at the very beginning 
I, it wasn't clear to me that it was a sign of depression, you know, rather than just honestly like uh, uh, not fulfilling your commitment of being at the show. We get really good you at know? hiding it. It was yeah. You were. Oh, yeah. I, I thought we maybe really you just had some better things to do, you know, at the very beginning, um, and so. And not until we you we would communicate a little bit more. We're like, okay, it's not just that he has something better to do; that he's there's actually something else going on. And that's when we started like, okay, more, more we want to give more support, be able to be there for you and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think that's something worth mentioning because at first it's like kind of like we were just, where's Jay? It's not like the first thing. Oh, Jay's going through something. It's like, mm-hmm. where is he? Like, okay, hello, you know, calling. Okay, something's not right. Where you know, yeah. so it's like being out of the loop of what's really going on. Yeah. I kind of figured a little bit it had to do with depression only because I, I mean I couldn't be sure I was like not in the loop, but I, I had an idea that it might be about depression because there was times in previous episodes where Jay mentioned you know he had like a spell of or or he was taking meds you know, um, to combat depression. So in my, I wasn't sure either, but in my head, I'm, I'm thinking, well, that's the only logical way, like the only logical answer, I'm guessing, because um, up until that point, he was super consistent, going to everything, getting there early, like never missing a beat. So that was something really often that didn't click. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Wanna chime in for a yeah, second? Yeah. All right, so like he said, when Jay did that, when he let y'all in, that was his sign letting y'all know that he was willing to accept help. He just didn't know how to outwardly say it. Mm-hmm. Like with me, I was great at hiding it. Like you will see me, I always smile. You ask me how I'm doing, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Like I tell people this all the time: behind the biggest smile is the deepest pain. Like that's how I that's how I hit it by always smiling and just showing love to everybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, September 9th, 2019, I went to rehab. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Because when people, the people that did find out, it was like, I didn't know you had a problem. I was like, yeah, because I didn't want you to know. Like, mm-hmm. I got great at hiding it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and when I did that, it felt so good. Because most people, when they go to rehab, they're forced. Mm-hmm. It was 100% my decision. Like, I am mentally strong. I can really will myself to do something. I, I wanted to box. I started boxing. I, I wanted to buy a motorcycle. I bought a motorcycle. Like, if I put my mind to something, I can get it accomplished. Liquor was the only thing I had a problem with. I could not beat that by myself. Mm-hmm. And I tried hard. Like, I, I wake up one morning like, okay, I'm not going to drink. Go two weeks, maybe even a month. Not one drink. Then you get into that habit. I'm going to reward myself because I haven't drank in a month. It started out good. You can be like, you start off, yeah, I had one or two. I'm doing good. I got this. A death or something happened. You go back in the whirlwind all over again. So I wasn't a, a, a maintenance drinker. I was a binge drinker. And, and in my opinion, that's kind of worse because, like I said, you could take that time off. But when you, as soon as you taste liquor, it be game on. It can last for days. Mm-hmm. But the, the, like I said, the good thing was I never let it affect like working in like third or making sure bills getting paid or I always made sure I was presentable. So like I got like I really got great at hiding it. So mm-hmm. when I decided to go to rehab, I went in there with just like a rehab. Today I was like, 
why are you smelling? Are you actually happy to be here? I'm like, oh yeah, this is one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And it totally was. Mm -hmm. So I tell people all the time, if you really, like I said, alcohol, drugs, if you're addicted to anything and you can't beat it by yourself, there are people out there that will help you. You just have to let them know. Amen. Yeah. And and the place (laughs) I went to was... uh, it's a summer hospital in uh, Oakland called MPI. Great people. Mm-hmm. Love them to death. They literally saved my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I get into why I end up going to rehab. Uh, so September 7th was the last time I had a drink. But that night was crazy. I, I tweet to you like this. It involved a gun in my sunroof, and I don't remember nothing else. But when I woke up the next morning... Because it was like I was dreaming, but I'm like, nah, that dream kind of felt too real. So when I woke up the next morning and I looked at my sunroof, I was like, oh, I'm going to rehab. Mm. I called them. They was like, can you be here at 10 o'clock in the morning? I was like, I sure can. Got up the next morning. I told my wife, you know, and me too, I'm trying to prepare myself mentally. So I watched. <laughs> I watched 28 days <laughs> like, so I'm trying to remember, I'm like I wonder how rehab is going to be like so I'm trying to research it yeah it, it, it like so it has similarities with rehab it, it's at least the one I went to that actually cared in was laid back like they really was there for me it wasn't about me putting others first they, as soon as I got there it's like how can we help you I'm like oh ain't nobody really ever asked me that before mm-hmm. but uh so yeah and I'm pretty sure my wife probably didn't believe me cause you know I said it. I actually a couple months before, I think in March, I actually went to that same place and did an assessment because I thought about it then. But then I talked myself out. I was like, you know what? I can beat this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should have went the first time. But like I said, <laughs> you get put in certain situations and it wasn't my time that time. Mm-hmm. But that last time I saw that sign, God was like, I'm not about to keep saving you because I didn't save you from a lot of stuff already. So mm-hmm. I really took that and ran with it. So when I went, it was all my decision. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm pretty sure that's going to shock a lot of people because I didn't really tell nobody that, like, that I went to rehab or my drinking was that bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when everybody see me, they was like, oh, well, it, it was rare an episode ever happened, but that's always having fun. If he's not having fun, you can count on him to go to sleep. So it was like that. It wasn't like I was going around starting fights or stuff like that. I was laid back. Mm-hmm. But it was a problem. Mm-hmm. How do you get people to realize, like, that they need the help? Because I know some people personally, and they they for sure have a problem. They don't think they have a problem, but it's clearly getting into their personal life, their work life, like, just their families, their friends. It's, it's really affecting them, but they don't see it as a problem. So how, how <laughs> does someone, how do you get them to see that moment? Because they're, they're not going to go if they don't want to go, you know? Well, I can tell you this, and I think it worked this way. Uh, you really can't tell somebody that they need help. They have to truly want it for themselves. Like, especially me, like, you could tell me, like, why you drink so much? And my family, because well, I can afford it. So, like, I used to be like that. Me, me and my uh, my brother, my, you know, I wish him well. I'm not going to go into that because that's a whole situation, too. And I, I love him to death. Keep your head up. Uh... But yeah, you have to, they have to genuinely want it for themselves. It's like, it's like, and everybody, rock bottoms are different. Like, I done did stuff, and I'm pretty sure people are like, well, he gonna stop drinking in. 
nope. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you stop drinking for like a week or two, but then you get into that habit and then you get into that feeling too. Like, and that's that's the crazy part about alcohol is you know it's a negative, but in your mind you convince yourself it's a positive. And I actually, and another reason why I quit drinking, I actually lost two friends and they was in their 30s from alcoholism. <laughs> like, so it's like, when I started seeing like, we're not supposed to be dying as young, especially from alcohol. So, you got enough going on. Cirrhosis of the liver. Yep. You know, that's another thing, too. Um, I forgot, I don't have a statistic for it, but I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, um, like wine bottles outside of like, like where, um, like outside the garbage was like a big thing it was like a meme I think for, for a minute where like people were door dashing wine bottles like more than food I think it was something crazy like that so I mean I think the only question that cause I wasn't really gonna ask you any questions but like has, has it been like harder for you during the pandemic do you think now that it's been you said close to two years right so you, you've been pre-pandemic you've been in the pandemic do you think it's harder would you imagine it being harder for people? I'm assuming only, yeah, right, but. Well, I can only speak for me. Since I, I, like I said, I went in there myself, 100% myself, so my mindset was different. So when I went in there and everybody's like, you smiling, like they really was like, when, when something happened in there and they needed somebody to talk to, everybody came to me. Cause I'm that type where I'm gonna lift you up, we gonna beat this together. We are both in here, we're a family. So I was big on that. But with me. That's how long you go, by the way. But with me, it was it, it, it wasn't hard because it was something that I wanted, and I and I'm the type of person like I, I I can look into the future on certain things. I'm the type of person if I take this drink, I'll play the tape all the way through. I can take this drink today, and it might be one, but eventually it's gonna go to two, it's gonna go to three, and then all of a sudden be back on it again. So I think about that, and I'm the type of person too. I don't like messing up. If I'm successful with something, I don't want to mess it up. So I'm looking at it as if I drink this. I'm going to get knocked down all the way back to day one again. I don't want to start over. So it hasn't been hard for me. Have I missed it? Yeah, certain situations I have. Like, it's like, I miss the fun of it. Like, when they're, because I'm the type of person, I still go to bars. I still hang out with people because I want to, I want to, I want to prove to myself that I am strong enough. So I put myself in certain, certain situations and I, and I reward myself when I beat it. Like, I'd have been at weddings, bars, all type of things that's been around. Like, I go to my boy's house, still that they still drink heavy. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, they, and the good part about it is they love me for it. They'd be like, I can't stop drinking, but we are so proud of you for doing it. Mm-hmm. I wish I had that willpower. It is a, it, it's, it's hard to stop drinking, but the, the thing that's even harder is when you finally admit to yourself that, damn, I do have a problem and I actually need help. You know, I have, I have a question. <laughs> do you feel different physically? Like... From drinking it and not drinking. Oh yeah, my mind's so clear, baby. <laughs> like it's like, 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 man, it's like. He's ready I, for his SATs all man, over. And it's like, it's like, you don't realize how much you let things slide, or you let stuff go because you feel like, damn, how can I, how can I be mad at this person? And I'm the one that drink. So it's like, it's like you, you find ways to kind of be like, you stay in that fog. But when you let it go, yo, my, you, you sharp as a tack all over again. And that's really true. Like, when you let an addiction go, you, it's really amazing how much your mind really rebuilt itself. Mm-hmm. Like, but like I said, you, you have to really want it. And I, that's why, especially with people that have problems, I tell people, you can call me. And I've always been, but I don't judge. 
you would never hear me judge you. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why I think people gravitate towards talking with me because they know they can be solid with me and I'm gonna be solid with them and it's still all love at the end of the day mm -hmm. with, no, with nothing hidden behind it. I'm a testament to that. I mean, Nico, um, like I said, like I said, been there whenever I'm, every single time that I've been dealing with the heavy, I've always called Nico, always. Um, he's always answered or called back, like he said. That's facts. And it's always on the up and up. Even, if, like, you know, he, he drank to numb himself and some an escape. He, in my terms, was kind of like my alcohol. I would call him, even even if it was talking about the current situation, for some, some way, somehow, for that conversation, that was good. And then I go back into, and then I go back into it. That's just the truth of it. And you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny how like you play you play it by your feature and stuff like that. I used to mention that, but for me, it's like the opposite. Because when I'm stuck in there, I lose my past. I forget about everything I've done, everything positive. I can't envision myself in the future. I don't. I don't see myself in the future. I don't see anything going. And I'm dreading being in the presence, in the present. You know what I mean? So it's sort of a weird, abstract kind of mental state. So when I get to talk to people and kind of numb myself and not mm -hmm. feel that for an hour or two, that's sort of my dosage, you know? And it's, and it's very hard for me to do that because Mike can tell you firsthand, I'm not necessarily one to pick up the phone. <laughs> Or anything like that. I've I've kind of um, developed a bad habit of shutting in now, um, without it affecting much else. But I know that it affects it affects at least friendships and stuff like that, which I you know something else I have to work on. But Nico, and thank you. If it wasn't for Nico, man, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be able to do this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. That's no, not taken from anybody else, but this is even, Nico has been, has been there before podcasts and something that we've been talking about for a long time. Um, so it finally came to fruition. Uh, Mike has been there, like I said, since three years ago. He got me off that couch, um, which at times felt like it was impossible to do so. And... And some on D have been a bright light. Um, the moving forward, moving forward in general, this podcast has been a bright light, even though sometimes it gets dark. So with that being said, um, we are a little bit over the hour. Our mark. This is usually the time where we give shout outs to people. Mm -hmm. um, why don't we start with some on somebody having any shout outs for today? First, got a shout out Lady. She's the person who handles the social media platforms. So uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. And, you know, she puts a lot of time and effort into that. So we got to make sure we say thank you. Thank you. We got Jesus here behind the scenes. He's running the controls. We got to give him a shout out. And then we got a special new soon to be possible producer, <laughs> Leslie. We got to give her a shout out as well. And yeah, I, I feel like uh, this was a great episode. We might got to run it back. Hey, man, I'm definitely yeah. down for a part two. We, <laughs> we can keep going. Because <laughs> I, 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 I want everybody to know, like, when you ask for somebody for help or you show your vulnerability to somebody, that doesn't make you weak. And, and especially when you a man and a man of color. 
Like they have that notion, like they have to be tough all the time. Mm-hmm. Believe me, you you can you it, it's it's for yourself. Like you happiness, your happiness should be paramount. Like you should want to feel good, like how you make others feel good. So it's okay if you need help. It's okay to go out there and get it because people will help you. Mm-hmm. And you know that really quickly that just sparked something in me, and it reminds me of like growing up, being the toughest person on the block and. Uh, dealing with issues, fighting people, being loud and arguing and stuff. You know, I always thought that, like, okay, that's 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 tough, that's a man, right? But then you gotta get older, start learning more, understanding, like, this person is possibly not uh, stable, like, as far as, like, mentally stable or emotionally stable enough to be able to deal with their issues another way. But, I mean, that's exactly right, it's nail on the head, man. I think that's super important that people of color discuss these things. And Janet, do you have any shout-outs for tonight? Um, I know you have one shout-out. Well, it's the same shout-outs as, as Chemo, really. <laughs> Just the same shout-outs, of course. Um, I stole all the shout-outs. Yeah, you know, Sorry, okay. I stole all the shout-outs. <laughs> no, okay, I'll give them double shout-outs. Um, of course, my boyfriend, Jesus, thank you so much for helping out with this lady. You know, keeping up with all the social media and everything else you do. You just go above and beyond, really. And shout out to our new uh, producer here who's in the room training today. Okay. So, uh, yeah, thank you. And every, everybody, everybody for tuning in. Uh, our guests for being so vulnerable on the show. Mike for his, you know, expertise, his experience. And that, that brings me to one thing before uh, we end really quickly for Mike. Uh, what, what would you say is a good resource? Like, let's say if someone's trying to get help, they're trying to get counseling, how how could they go about that, or or what would you say like a, a good outlet where they could find their match? I don't know if I described it. Well, you know, I can. Contra Costa County has a um, a helpline. Okay. Um, that would be a place. Uh, I think there's is it called two one one, where you mm-hmm. can call for referrals. Um, there's um, different virtual meeting places yeah. that you can look for, um, even categorized for people around your age group, which is pretty cool. Yeah, what, what, I, what I'd like to also impress upon people is with this pandemic and everybody being shut in, watch your children. I have met 10-year-olds who have attempted suicide because of depression. And children do not always act out depression the same way an adult does. Uh, bad behavior, they'll isolate, uh, they're combative, and watch your children. Just watch your children. If you've got a problem or a question, ask your pediatrician to take a look at the child. Mike, now that we have you on the camera there, um, do you have anything you want to shout out? Anybody in particular you want to shout out? I want to shout out to anyone who's feeling depressed who wants to talk to someone. Uh, My shout out is take the chance, call someone, talk to them. I know it's a risk. It was a risk when I was depressed. It was a risk when Nico or John was depressed. Take the risk. It's worth it. Yep. You're worth it. Nico. 
My man, my cousin. Oh, man, I, I definitely appreciate everyone in this room. It's nothing positive vibes. I felt the love. You know, I enjoyed the questions. I enjoyed the I just enjoyed everything about everything. But also, I just, just want to shout out everybody in the world. Like, you're worth it. Like, I mean, don't let nobody tell you different. Like, I shout out my wife, my mom, my brothers, cousins, friends, everybody. You know, I love everybody. Like, like and also, too, I also want to share one thing. Uh, really, I learned this in AA. Really, if you can, really live by one day at a time. It really helps. Because I was the type of person, too, I got depressed because I used to future trip a lot. I used to be like, man, I'm not where I want to be. I want to be this within five years. But, you know, sometimes life is so unpredictable and they throw you curveballs. But I learned if you live within 24 hours, you go 24 hours, 25 hours, it's much easier to maintain. And, and it's much easier on yourself. Like, I tell people all the time, like, don't ask me what I'm doing for months from now or even years from now. You can ask me probably a week. I can give you a week. But I don't, I don't live that far in it, ahead because it's, it's for my own sobriety. I don't want to live that far ahead because I don't know what's going to happen. And that's kind of setting yourself up for failure. And it, it, it can bring you back down again if you allow it. Live for today. Live for today. That's a, that's, that's a gem right there. I want to shout out, like Mike said, anybody who's going through it, give yourself that chance. Nico said... Live your day by live your life day by day. Selmo has his rock with Lady. Diana, her rock with Chewy. Find something that you can attach yourself to, something positive. There's something there, even if you're if you sometimes even don't want to see it. It's some, there's something there. Try to find it. Try to find the light. And um Take the leap. So with that being said, always, uh, before we hit the credits, Chewy, before we go, I want to give a massive shout out. Thanks to La Sagrada Familia for giving us the space and opportunity to carry out our podcast dreams. Although Moving Forward and the FL Podcast is not affiliated with any religious practice, we do understand that it can be an integral part of bettering people's lives. With that being said, La Sagrada Familia is a Roman Catholic church located on 600 South 16th Street in Richmond, California, and is primarily a Spanish-speaking congregation. Details on La Sagrada Familia's contact will be on the description in the description below. Once again, Mike, thank you for the space, the opportunity. Once again, Nico, thank you for being here. Yeah, let's, do it, let's do it again. Nico's ready to rock for yeah, another episode. Yeah, I'm gonna, if y'all allow me, I'd like to be a reoccurring guest. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, am, you know? yeah. I feel like we all can help somebody. I mean, Definitely. And once again, FF Podcast, as always, it's Selmo, Diana, myself. Shout out to Gio. If you're watching, if not, I don't know why you're not. <laughs> and shout, there out you to, go. shout out to Chewy for manning the boards. Leslie behind the scenes as well. And Nico's wifey, Candace. Seems like you're dealt with a lot, girl. <laughs> but here we are now. Chewy, can take us out. <laughs>